Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for showtime? Welcome to the E Street Cafe podcast. The cool, friendly place for great music chat. Hi everybody, this is Jeff and today I'm joined by Dan. Dan, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks Jeff. And hey, it's great to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving today in the cafe. Yeah, it won't be Thanksgiving when we put it out, but it's Thanksgiving today anyway. So that's uh, nice is. and greetings to all our uh, American friends who are no doubt uh, tucking into their turkey as we speak. Today, I think we've got, um, well, this is quite unusual. Normally we have a transatlantic guest, don't we? We always have an American or we have a German guest on recently. But we've got three UK blokes in the cafe. So without further ado, let me introduce... Uh, who we've got in the cafe today. You'd have to be a UK Bruce fan living under a rock for 38 years not to have heard of Badlands, the independent record store based in Cheltenham, which specialises in Springsteen and Dylan items. Founded by brothers Philip and Stephen Jump, it's always been much more than just a shop. Badlands offered a phone hotline for tour updates, the first fan conventions in the UK, a long-running newsletter, in-store events and concert packages. Tragically, Stephen died suddenly, far too young at 56, 10 years ago, and is much missed by the Bruce community. Luckily for us, his brother Philip still flies the unique and essential flag, and we're delighted to welcome Phil to the cafe for a chat. I'm talking about Mr. Badlands! Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Hi, Jeff. Yeah, good. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? I'm um, good, thanks, Phil. We're all good. We're all good. And um, you, well, you're in the cafe after all the mayhem has de- died down. We, we've had, um, we always have incidents here, incidents on 57th Street. We always have incidents in the cafe because of the staff that we, we choose to employ. And you never guess what Sloppy Zoo did today. Somebody oh. ordered some guacamole dip. And somebody, and I think it must have been Sloppy Zoo, um, served up wasabi. So the wasabi went out as a guacamole dip. The customer was not very happy. And then to make things even worse, Pepe, the cafe dog, actually licked some of the wasabi off the floor. And now we've got a dog issue as well. So it's it's all go in the cafe. <laughs> but you're not seeing that, Phil, because you're here now and all it's all calm. So that's good. Right. Glad to hear it. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Phil, just before we kick off with um, how it all began, Rosalita's here. Now, I suspect three English lads here in the cafe. Um, she's waving some Yorkshire tea bags at me, and she suspects that you might want tea and biscuits. Is that right? Fabulous, yeah. Let's go. Yeah? Let's yeah. What's your favourite biscuit to go with the, with the tea? Oh, it's got to be a gingers, ginger nuts, doesn't it? Yeah. Ginger nuts, okay. I'll have some fig rolls, please, Rosie. Dan, what's your favourite biscuit? Oh, I'll go for an old-fashioned digestive. No, chocolate digestive? Yeah, why not? Excellent. Okay, yep, thumbs up from Rosie. Those biscuits will be on their way shortly, and the tea will take four minutes to brew. So, um, all coming up. Um, Phil, let, let's just start right at the beginning, because um, 38 years ago, I believe... Badlands was kind of um, a baby. Tell us how the idea was born. Uh, yes, blimey, 38 years. Um, it started, I, 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 I had a job in, um, I left school at 16, I had a really boring job in an insurance company um, <laughs> for five years or so. Um, and I, I gave up to go and visit friends in America in, in, the, in the summer late summer of 1985 so I, I quit work went to america 
I don't know. I probably had dreams of staying there a long time, but I've blown all my money in six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> As you do when you're young. Yeah, right. yeah back to Cheltenham. And uh, di- didn't really have a lot to do. My brother, Stephen, at the time, God bless him, was uh, he was just doing painting and decorating and a few odd jobs. Um, so I, I, I joined in painting and decorating and... Uh, and, and quickly, quickly realised that wasn't really wasn't for me, especially as they had me doing all the shit jobs like climbing up the high ladders and clearing out the. Stood at the bottom. Well, the pulling rank there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Um, anyway, that, that wasn't for me. And I, I was just looking. Um, my mum, um, who, who also sadly passed away five years ago, uh, she was she had her own business as well. She was into catering. Um, like cooking and stuff so that was we talked we, we got talked with her and um about ideas we'd like start starting our own business really and then we noticed there was an advert you could rent a table at evesham market an outdoor market so about 20 miles away from cheltenham for three pound fifty a day so we just rocked up there one friday thursday or friday i think it was yeah uh, we just took a load of records, a few old clothes, you know, it was just a bit of everything. And, and you know, the, the, the records were what people were interested in. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of how did that morph into a shop and also how did the idea of specialising in one or two artists materialise as well? Well, I guess we were doing that in, in it will have been September, October 85, we started doing these stalls at Evesham Market. And, you know, we, 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 we'd both been great music fans growing up and we both had great record collections and uh, we just loved the music, right? We didn't realise there was a kind of collector's market there. I was stunned at what some of my early Clash, uh, there would been a lot of Clash singles and jam singles and Cures, uh, what, 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 and, 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 and more, more obscure stuff as well. And you know, you could get good money for it. What, what then? You know, I mean, you get a lot more for it now. I wish I still had it in lots of ways. But, <laughs> right. I, I can't say that because I wouldn't have a shop if I still had my record collection. So, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, we quickly learned that, that, that this stuff had a value by. I guess we bought Record Collector magazine. That would have been it. And then we we. We saw the lists in the back where, do you remember all the old lists? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like every single disc that they would have, yeah. Yes, that's right. And uh, so we were, we'd use that to value our our, our record collections. And then um, we also noticed there was record fairs. So we started doing record fairs and it yeah. just quickly expanded, really. And um, it, was a, it was at a time, you asked me how we got into a, sh- a shop. Well, couple of things happened one, one thing was it was you know it was the era of of that bitch thatcher and there was the um this this uh, scheme basically to keep unemployment figures down where if you started your own business you you got a grant of 40 pound a week which was yeah. pretty what you were got when you were signing on yeah i think it's long enough and as long enough for the government to say that we were siding on while we were doing this as well um yeah. anyway so so we got on that grant i forgot what it's called i can't i can't remember what it was called but it was you know if you're starting your own small business you got 40 quid a week at, at that time there'd been a brand new arcade opened in cheltenham and some 
uh, I think it was British Home Stores, didn't take their full space. So there was a kind of empty unit at, at right. the top. Okay. They just divided. They just divided it up into. So I think they were about ten foot by ten foot squares, and you could rent one of those units for ten uh, for forty pound a week. Coincidentally, so yeah. there we could afford it with our grant money. So that that's how we opened the shop. Um, yeah, but then you've moved shops since, haven't you? Because you obviously once, um, yeah. Because this this market stall must have that was February eighty six, and. Uh, we were there for nearly two years because at the end of 1987, they'd found a proper, you know, they wanted to redevelop it properly, and um, mm. which they did ultimately. It's now a TK Max. <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm yeah. interested, because just as a side question, really. So when you, when you were starting out um, in the 80s, effectively late 80s, early 90s, CDs became popular. So that, were you specialising in just vinyl records at the time. And if, if you were, how did the advent of CDs affect your business? Um, it, uh, when we started, it was it was our own record collection. So it was purely, you know, it was very much uh, sort of punk new wave, seven inch singles that we, we were yeah. sort of specialising in and, and just generally our own second-hand records. Then we will have bought collections. Um, one of the first collections we bought was off someone who subsequently came and worked for us, Daryl. I don't know if you remember Daryl in the shot. He was a manager at Badlands for quite a few years, sometime later. But we bought his Beatles collection, so we had this amazing Beatles collection, and it, it was, um, it, it 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 was it was phenomenal. There was there was there was some handwritten notes and things like that. It was genuine auto. I mean, I wish I'd kept some of that. The only the only bit I kept of it was some Beatles cereal bowls. <laughs> <laughs> which are still which is a great but um yeah so we were buying collections and and and, and uh selling buying collections selling those yeah good days yeah. Yeah. Fair at our own market store but the cd i've I, the first cd i can remember stocking and getting excited about was this sergeant pepper reissue which then yeah. went out in to, up for its 20th anniversary. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and of course the, the tagline was it was 20 years ago today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I vividly remember getting those and being, I think that's about the time I bought a CD player. Yeah, yeah. I'd like Actually, a lot of get that album. Do you remember that the Sgt. Pepper's on vinyl is my second ever vinyl I bought? My first one was Rider White Swan T-Rex. Oh, right. The second one. Uh, Sergeant Peppers when it uh, not when it came out because that was sixty seven but I bought Rider White Swan in seventy one I think it was and then the year after I bought Sergeant Peppers in seventy two I always remember my first two vinyls I can't yeah, remember I, anything of that mine as well yeah Abbey Road was my first album so all right good choice, good choice. again when it came out just afterwards I was just a little bit young so in terms of specialising then in terms of because obviously we kind of recognise Badlands now, obviously through the title of the shop. Yeah, yeah. Well, towards Bruce, but also Dylan as well. What? Why that decision? Just, I'll tell you what. It's it. It was just it's luck. We didn't plan to have a a, a Bruce specialist store at all. But you know, we we were Bruce was very much in the air at that time. We'd been to see 
uh, mm. throws in the summer, you know, mm. born in USA tour, and um, which had been a long wait since the River Tour. Stephen and I went to the River Tour together, um, mm. to two shows. So Bruce was a thing that we kind of shared and loved. That was our kind of, you know, our thing that we that we were both into. And uh, so when we were thinking of names for the shop, we were we, we, we just listed all sorts of song-related titles. Or I remember thinking of calling it Jump Records because that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we bring the records back saying this one jumps. <laughs> um, such scratch unique, records. <laughs> such a unique surname, right? Which is good and bad because people never forget it for good and bad reasons. But anyway, yeah, there we go. So we 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 went through a whole load of uh, song titles, and we could have we could have ended up with a Clash themed name easily. But we're so lucky that we called it Badlands, which we thought sounded cool. And if you, you know, it's not Bruce's biggest hit. I mean, I still meet people every day now. They have no clue it's got anything to do with Bruce Springsteen locally. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, Badlands is a cool name. Um, the National Park in America, isn't it? That's what a lot of people probably associate it with. Film. We both love the film, you know, which. Yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Good. We took our logo from the film, the typeface on the film poster at first. So yeah, yeah. But, I've, uh, got I've got the DVD somewhere with um, Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek, isn't it? I think. Yes. Uh, Rosie's here with the team biscuits. Um, um, you'd be astounded to know that she served mine in a Wawa Records mug. That's my local independent record store. Great. Um, his mug, so maybe we should have some Badlands mugs uh, instead of Wawa Records, I think. That's a really good idea, yes. You're listening to the E Street Cafe podcast. Come on in, because we're open all night. Yeah. <laughs> so just while I dish out the pour the tea and dish out the digestives and the ginger nuts and the fig rolls uh, i'll hand over to dan yeah so um uh talking of Stephen, as as we were just now and the fact that as you said phil you you, you shared the passion for bruce one of the the legacies of uh, of badlands for me is that i have very fond memories of um ringing up the uh, the, the telephone hotline the fan club hotline and hearing um, Stephen's voice giving us um, updates on the concerts, that on, on the set lists and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was a, a really special feature that you offered. And I was curious, was that idea, the telephone hotline, was it in, inspired by the American version, which, which Backstreets were doing, or was it just total coincidence that you did that yourselves? I, I can't remember, Dan, to be honest. Um, uh I really can't remember. I mean, obviously, if there was one, we probably thought this is a good idea, you know, genius steals and all that. <laughs> but it was definitely a, a kind of like a, one of your the first features that you're offering as a fan club, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Around that, around that time. Yes. So, uh, and, and it would have been around that time, I think, well, I think uh, I worked out the earliest um, memories I can, I can track down of my own visits to Badlands were about 1989, um, several visits with a succession of different friends. And then the, back then, of course, one of the other features you had was a special Bruce room, 
uh, which everyone wanted to see. That was one of the big, big attractions. So, and I'm curious um, that given that you did that in 1989 and it was only a year later, there was your uh, first fan convention, the Glory Days convention. Right. So yeah. that, that seems like a, a, a very quick step to go from um, uh, just put, you know, having, having the Bruce room and the, and the, um, the phone line. And then suddenly there's this convention. So what was the kind of impetus for, for, for doing that? Um, I mean, it was all connected. I mean, we were all, you know, we were huge Bruce fans, obviously. And when we, when we moved to the shop, the shop where you, um, point out the, the Bruce room is where we still are to this day. So we moved when this market hall closed down for redevelopment in 87 we had we had a few months while we couldn't didn't have a shop and then we found our current premises which is on a side street in Cheltenham um in May 88 so um and it, it was quite uh it, it is a side street it's a side street that's pretty, pretty mainly residential so it's not a it's not a typical shop as as you know if you visited it it's like it's an old coat um so it's not got great big plate glass windows or anything like that. It's just got a couple of dash windows at the front. So it doesn't look like a shop and it's three stories. And we did, you know, we, we just used the ground floor. So yeah, let's have a Bruce uh, shrine to Bruce on the top floor. Um, we started with, and as I, I said to you the other week, dad, it was great, but we'd spend at least every Saturday just chatting to friends who <laughs> didn't know at the time, but become friends. It was just became a big jolly. And we just sit, sit around, chat it, talking Bruce, and then probably go down the pub for lunch. And uh, not, not a lot of work got done. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, fond memories of that as well. You know, and, I think uh, the, the convention. Well, two things. I um, I the Beatles convention in Liverpool at the Adelphi Hotel, mm. which was phenomenal. I mean, it was great fun, um, and it was it was really busy. And if if you're going to run a convention on anyone anywhere then the Beatles in Liverpool is you know is is going to be good right but uh, there I met a couple of guys Dave Dingle and Dave Heath who did similar things to us for the Dylan Bob Dylan community they they ran a business called my back pages and and put out fanzines and did all sorts of stuff and they uh, they arranged a convention a Dylan convention in Manchester in 88 and then you know, which we were involved in. And then they helped us arrange the Bruce, the, you know, the Bruce one that so many people got so many fond memories mm. of, or non, non memories in our case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, weekend, if ever there was one, was great. <laughs> gallons, gallons of lager, I think one of the, uh, the, the reviews said at the time. <laughs> okay. Oh, I know the hotel had to send out for more large. We we used the whole hotel, right? If you, if you, <laughs> it was great. It was just like the biggest house party ever, with the best music ever. And uh, yeah, we took every room in the hotel, and it was where a lot of people, uh, a lot of Bruce fans from all over the country and all over Europe met for the first time. A lot of friendships, long term friendships, made there, right? Definitely, definitely, yeah. Other drinking, yeah. <laughs> well, I seem to remember, I think you told me once, Phil, about some story about the 
kind of like the aftermath when there was um, you were you were checking the um, the bill on the on the account you had with the hotel. <laughs> yes. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I think it was a three day event. If I'm yeah. Saturday Sunday, so we stayed over on the the Sunday night as well. And um, I'm, one one of the guys I met through 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 business was uh, this real eccentric guy called um, Paul Atkins. And God, I, I'll. I'll, he was such a character. Anyway, he, he he was an account apparently in his in his real life, and and I'd been I'd done a bit of that kind of work as well. So we had to deal with the hotel bill, which, as you can imagine, every room in the hotel for two or three nights was astronomical, and and so we thought we better check this, and so we start checking through it, and Paul says, "I think we need a we need a lager to get us through the." <laughs> Terrible happening. About, probably about 11 o'clock Monday morning, we had a lager. By the time we'd checked through it, we'd been drinking steadily all day. <laughs> so by the time <laughs> we went back to the accountants at the hotel to query anything, we were we were pretty pretty smashed by then. And the bill had probably doubled as well. <laughs> not the greatest position to be in for negotiating a reduction or whatever, you know. No. But tremendous fun. <laughs> a, good, a good, a good story. I mean, as you say, that the, you know the convention must have been, as well as being fun, so much work. But it didn't put you off because clearly such a success that um, only uh, four years later, nineteen ninety four, you you um, arranged the follow up, which was um, Better Days in in Birmingham. Yeah. And uh, so I imagine that you know, as you as you were saying, you know, given that memories might might be patchy for obvious reasons. Um, how do you sort of compare the two if you look back now? Um, I think, I think. Well, the 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 first one was it was more you know it was the first one. It was more special. It was more unique. So I, I've got to say I enjoyed the first one more. Um, definitely, I, you know, we 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 did the second one, and it was it was still great fun. We had some great. <laughs> Live me. I think we had Steve Gibbons band playing at the second one. I think did we? That, I think you did. That's definitely ringing a bell. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so that was it. One month after we did Rising Reunion as well. Oh, oh one, yes, one day event in uh, in the early two thousands. Right. So, so yeah, that was uh, great. Great memories and. Um, Another of the legacies of Badlands that uh, um, uh, people will remember is uh, the newsletters, first for True Rockers only, and then later the Ties That Bind, cool. uh, which often included, I have to say, um, the writing of our very own Mike Saunders. Hey, he, was, yeah. um, he was your, your features editor. Hey, uh, hey. And then it's kind of morphed into what we know, now know of as, and think of as you know, the online fan club with subscriptions and email updates and so forth. But I mean, one of the things that's struck me is that for some time, um, uh, in, in, in relatively recent years, you've obviously evolved into a position where you've been able to um, officially promote the, the shows in the UK and beyond, you know, oh. as a ticket outlet and concert packages and so forth. But I wonder if you have any uh, uh, theories or ideas why for so long, Bruce's people never really embraced 
you know any kind of official fan club that that an organization like Badlands or, or Backstreets for that matter could offer back in those days. Well, they're brilliant at managing Bruce, aren't they? They're 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 great. You know, what what you know in in business terms, what an amazing job they've done. Um, and I I guess that's by keeping very tight control and mm. it's small and to themselves, and that that's worked. But you know, they've they've they we we don't have that m- m- much direct dealing with them, but we do. I guess they must sign things off because we deal with the UK promoters, say, for the concert tickets, and they have to get permission to let Badlands be an outlet, I guess. Um, mm. and, and I know the record company have to get Sony, who we have a very close relationship with, they have to get things signed off. So, yeah, they have co you know, they've definitely cooperated with us. It's, it's good. I think, listen to your memories there of the, the concerts, Phil, as well. Um, I remember I, I've dropped in on a couple of um, pre-show parties that you've been running. Yes, uh, we've had uh, we've had Mark Wright on the podcast recently, and, and I know Mark's been uh, one of one of your performers. Yes, with his hats on, whether it be Bruce or Elvis or anybody else. Yeah, so uh, I think well, Mark doing Elvis singing Bruce is one of the great things to see. <laughs> Well, for those of you who haven't heard, we've actually had Mark performing live music on a very recent podcast. Uh, I think it was the one before this, uh, or two before this one. Uh, we had Mark uh, singing two Bruce songs, one with his Elvis hat on and one with his Mark Wright hat on. So uh, for those of you who haven't listened to, I think it was episode two, series three, wasn't it, Dan? That one? Very recently. Yeah, very recently. So those of you who have not listened to Mark sing, you can do on our podcast. He brought his guitar into the cafe. He brought his sideburns into the cafe, his white suit, um, <laughs> everything. But uh, Rosalita and the, the ladies' uh, sloppy suit, they, they got no work done. Literally, when he was performing, they were kind of um, burning the toast and everything. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, well, one thing that strikes me at those parties, there's such a gathering of people. So, you know, you might have, I don't know, 50, 100 people in a bar in Manchester or Sunderland or wherever it is, and people just kind of meet up, whether it's through Greasy Lake or, or, or online or through Facebook, and friends become friends, don't they? You get a lot of strangers. Yeah. And then yeah, make yeah. That's what we like about the community. But what what the packages that you do, because I know you've done Light Today in America, you've done uh, sure. trips abroad and to America, to MetLife, et cetera, have you got any special memories from those trips where you've been responsible for 50, 60, 80 people? You oh must have some, some good memories. Some trips where we had something like 400 people in Barcelona. Wow. Um, um, yeah, 300 people to Paris. So, yeah, it's, a, it's <laughs> not yeah. <all> right. <laughs> yeah. And amazing people. It's great fun. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Lots of memories. I know. I know. Lots of people seem to recount stories from Light of Day when they go across to Asbury Park and Freehold. Light of Day, just tremendous. I mean, we. I mean, it's like I said earlier about a Beatles convention in in Liverpool. You, you that's mm. just right. Well, if someone's booking a trip to come and see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band in New Jersey, yeah. And I know that these people are going to have the holiday of a lifetime, right? If you've been a Bruce fan all your life and you get to go, you, yeah. you're going to see him at Giant Stadium or the MetLife. Um, and and we, we, we hit upon the idea of 
probably again a bit of luck but one 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 year we went we we probably couldn't get a hotel for the entire time in new jersey or whatever so we had three nights in new york and three nights in new jersey mm. and you a fantastic holiday mm. a week a week there and a couple of bruce shows it's just yeah. and we do we and then we 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 knew that everyone does tailgating in America, right? Well, we we yeah. do our, want to do a tailgate, so we'd go to Wayne's Deli in Red Bank. Yeah. Um, <laughs> who, who's, who's Bruce's? He, I Bruce's cousin worked there or something, or Wayne did the catering for parties yeah. at his house. Everyone, everyone knows Bruce in 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 Red Bank, right? Yeah. So yeah. But yeah, ordering sandwiches for 150 people because we had three busloads there. So, you know, organising this tailgate for 150 people was good. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you telling me a story recently, Phil, probably worth sharing with our listeners, that there was one year that you didn't go across to New Jersey, but Stephen did. And you had a late night phone call, didn't you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Steve, Bruce, yeah, I'm, I'm at home, you know, Sunday night, just just getting off to sleep and uh, Stephen phones me up, you'll never guess who's just bought us a drink. <laughs> no, all, all joking apart. I was, it's, it's great when things like that happen. To, yeah. to, Where was that? What was the backstory to that? Even your, even your big brother. Um, it <laughs> was, uh, they were, I can't remember the name of the bar now. I could tell you how to get to it in Asbury Park, but they're in this bar in, in, in Asbury on, in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon, pretty quiet. Mm. Back in about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and and Bruce just you know his motorbike pulls up outside. Bruce comes in and you know buys a drink, and the, I think the barman said, "Oh, there's a bunch of English guys over there here." <laughs> oh, right. yeah. so he That's went, just beautiful. Every year, drink, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> Bought everyone a drink, chatted to everyone, was really nice. Didn't really want to have his photo taken, but he, he did. Yeah. And it's really nice yeah. with that, as 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 is the case, usually. I'm pretty sure I remember seeing a photograph on a Badlands newsletter at the time. So we're going back what 15 years now, aren't we? But... Yeah, did, did, did pose for a photo with them all. In. Yeah, I do remember that. And just talking to Stephen, I think it was mm. 10 years now, isn't he, Stephen? But it must have been obviously devastating for you and the family, personally, but also That's professionally as well, because you must have asked yourself, do I carry on with this? This is, you know, 38 uh, years. Yeah, you know, I mean... You must have thought, what do I do? Absolutely. Um, oh, my, my first reaction was, I don't want to carry on. You know, I can't, because I couldn't imagine doing it on my own without Stephen, but then very quickly, you, you, you know, the support I got from the extended, you know, friends, family, Badlands family was just amazing. 
and, and yeah. Clint Ash at the time, many of whom are still there now. The support was, was amazing. And it's so lovely to be in a business where he's remembered. So it, for me, people ask about Steve. I'm just used to chatting about him still every day, which is nice, you know. He was a legend, wasn't he? He had his own persona. I think I only met him a couple of times, but I def- definitely remember meeting him in Madrid on right. Magic for 2007. And I wanted two tickets. I only had one. And Stephen and Salvador. Hi, yeah. Salvador. Yeah. Sal uh, passed a ticket to Stephen to pass on to me. <laughs> and, of course, it wasn't a 30-second transaction. It was it involved beer in this hotel lobby in Madrid. I think you might have been there, Phil. I can't remember. But, uh, I uh, we used to take it in turns, you know. We do, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. want, you know? Yeah, yeah. But no, I've got very fond memories of Stephen. He certainly could tell a story, couldn't he? Yeah, he could yeah. Stories for sure. Yeah, but, it, um, yeah. No, it was a big shock and a very, you know, very difficult. But like I say, it's nice to to be able to talk about him all a, a lot, which um, you know keeps his memory alive. I still, I still, I, I don't think a week goes by where I don't dream about have a dream about Stephen and they're usually just kind of dreams where we're shouting at each other in a brotherly way. <laughs> or drinking beer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, he certainly li- he lives on, doesn't he? Because uh, I know a lot of people have got very, very fond memories of Steve and yeah. um, you did carry on. That's, that's, that's the important thing. You, you made the right decision to carry on. And because I suppose. I had in the end it's a it's it you know a, a, a few people work for us you know you've got an obligation to the your staff and, and yeah. customers and and in the end it's been very therapeutic for me it, like i say it's it's uh it, i'd keep ca- carried on it's like a a tribute to to him to what we achieved I'd ne- we'd never have done it on our own it was always a partnership and uh yeah, I'm, yeah fortunate with the support i've had of uh, staff and friends and family been able to, you know, I can't believe it's 10 years. I, mm. But, yeah, time flies. Yeah, absolutely. But I'll tell you what, it's testament. You don't get many independent record stores that have been going for 38 years, you know, albeit from a market stall initially. Yeah, I'm sure. You've been going a hell of a long time. No, that's, well, that's, that's, that, that's thanks to the, you know, thanks to especially, you know, being a, a Bruce and to a lesser extent bob dylan specialist you know having a bit of a niche it's it's that's what's kept us and that's you've, you've, got, the, you've got a ready audience there haven't you i guess yeah i've got a very yeah. loyal audience of people who who you know bruce fans will buy all, all their other records off of us so that's that's fantastic you know yeah that's brilliant that's brilliant and um, and i think also i know you've obviously you have days in november when only a handful of customers come in the shop and your takings are down, but there's also some very other rewarding days. And you had a very special VIP visitor, Mr. Van Zant. Oh, yes. yes. A few years ago, didn't he, when he launched the book? Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, that was that was quite strange, really, because uh, it, it was to publish it was to publicise his book, right, which is autobiography that came out. And... Uh, as, as soon as they announced it, I spoke to a couple of people. There's a great literary festival in Cheltenham, Cheltenham Lit Festivals. Mm-hmm. Big, big two-week event sponsored by the Sunday Times, you know, big names. And I, I, I spoke to some people and said, the, the publishers, and I said, 
you must get Stephen to come and talk to this. It's a perfect thing to have. And, and mm-hmm. I spoke to my friend who works at the festival. And I said, look, little Stephen's got a book coming out just at yeah. this time. Anyway, I don't know. It didn't happen. Um, but but it ended up that he was in, because it, he was in the country during the festival. And the publishers phoned us and said, oh, we'd, we'd love to do something with Badlands. Um, this is like the week before the, the, the week before the book's out or the week mm. before. Yeah. So and it was during COVID. It was during a lockdown. So the, the shop wasn't open. Um, or it was at that stage where you could just call in and pick records up. I think you, 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 we did a kind of takeaway service, um, <laughs> but there was no customers around. So I said, "Well, what can we do?" Um, and uh, I said, why, "Why, why don't you get Stephen to call by the shop? He can, you know, do a few photos, sign a few extra uh, copies of the book, and we can take him to see Brian Jones's grave because he's a huge." Stones yeah. fan, yeah, and I didn't think they'd say yes, but then we got the call. Yeah, yeah, he's coming because he was he was doing an event in he was doing a, a, a talk in Bath and then going back to London. So I told them that Cheltenham was on the way, of course, which it can be if you yeah <laughs> you get lost and if you get lost. Yeah. <laughs> so all these things think that will it happen? Won't it happen? You know, schedule schedules get. Uh, changed and things so on the day the guy from the book comes said yeah we're coming we're coming then half an hour later i got a call saying oh we're going to be late because we've got to get covid jabs because you had to get a fit to fly yeah. yeah and then then he said actually is there anywhere in cheltenham where um you can get a fit to fly jab for Stephen?" and i'm like right <laughs> and for some- I, I had this. I was imagining sort of walking down to Boots and with little, in all this, you know. <laughs> on you know a what story reminds me of it. Reminds me a little bit, Dan, of um, the story of Bob, we had Bobby Chermside, Bruce's road manager, on from twenty six to eighty one on, and and the requests you get in from either the the management team or from Bruce himself. You know, we have that story where I need you to go into a store and uh, sorry, I need you to go into the hotel and steal forty pillows. Why? <laughs> because I want feathers from the pillows to create the snow for Santa Claus is coming to town. You know, so you can just imagine these requests, can't you? You know, just um, unbelievable. Go and get me a fit to fly kit. So. <laughs> 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 It was on, off, on, off, on, off, and and, it, and and I said to the, I said, look, I know it's um, COVID. I said, do you want me to, you know, announce it so there's a few people there, to, you know, when he gets out. Yeah. Got, no, we don't, we don't want to do any meet and greets or anything. So, yeah. so came and it was just me and the staff, and he had a look around the shop, dead friendly, you know, really nice. Took us, took us out to lunch. Um, really? Yeah, really good. And I suppose that he didn't want to meet people probably was not indicative of his unfriendly nature. It was more because COVID was rife at that time and he's being health, cautious. Health and safety, yeah. Absolutely. Health and safety, it probably wasn't him dealing with the health and safety side of it. He was, you know, it was uh, uh, who, 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 whoever was working for him at the time said, no, we better not do that. But, uh, you know, he invited all of us who work at Badlands out to lunch and we yeah. sat out. And that was great, but he, he noticed it, all these big uh, marquees in uh, in in the gardens in the, in the gardens of Cheltenham. Oh, what's what's going on over there? Uh, mm, it's a literary festival. 
Why are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You look through as manager. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Right. No. Rosie just brought more biscuits, so I'll just hand them out and I'll hand over to Dan just while yeah. I dish those biscuits out. The dog's just got one. I'm oh, sorry, Dan. You just lost one of your digestives to Peppy the dog. Oh, Peppy, there you go. <laughs> oh, and, and surely the final memory that, that day, um, Phil, was you, you, you took uh, Stevie to the um, uh, the Brian Jones uh, memorial. Yeah, we drove out to the to the uh, to the grave, and it's a um, a very small, modest headstone, which you know, St- Stevie rightly so thinks there should be. Uh, he should be commemorated more in Cheltenham. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> whether there should be a big ostentatious gravestone, I don't know. That's what the family chose at the time, so that's you know mm. fine. But it'd be a statue or something in Cheltenham, um, which is something. If you know, I'm. I'm it's, it's something I really, really want to try and do for Cheltenham at some stage when I get the get time time's always a problem isn't it but uh i mean we're not just talking about any rolling stone we're talking about the founding member of the rolling stones he should be celebrated yeah. really should yeah well that's a great ambition to, to well. follow that up as you say when hopefully you can but uh something i, I um uh, discovered fairly recently is that um and this was a big surprise to me, Phil. You weren't only um, just someone who sold records early on. I believe, if I'm right, that you campaigned briefly as a Labour candidate for the, <laughs> the, the local council was in, in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm curious, was that like your, your only moment in the political spotlight or was there more to that? Pretty much. I mean, they were more, well, they, we were more involved. Yeah, they were political times, weren't they? The eighties, you know. That's uh, we were heavily involved with the Labour Party at the time. Yes, and uh, a friend of mine was um, was uh, in charge, and he he wanted to make sure that they had a candidate in every seat, every ward. And uh, I, I Chapman's always conservative or liberal. I mean, it has been for years, right? But, you know, they wanted to field a candidate. So I was in a very conservative ward and uh, th- there was no way I was going to win. So, um, well, you're not you're not too too long after the miners' strike and Arthur Scargill. And, and as you say, Thatcher was in power right. as well. So that might have influenced your 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 choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I wanted to do it, but you know, I was never, I was never going to win. It was quite funny. I remember going to the town hall on the night we had a few beers, of course, before at the, at the camps, and he he had something like I don't know eight thousand, and we had two hundred and fifty or whatever. And would you like a recount? No, no, no it's fine. Close. <laughs> and I I did say I would have never stood if I had any chance of winning, and unfo- but unfortunately I said that in the pub the next day in front of the local press. So I nearly got in terrible trouble because uh, the, the guy from the local paper was going to report <laughs> report what I'd said. Do you know what you should have done, Phil? If you'd known that you'd only got 250 votes versus 8,000, you, you know, like Screaming Lord such uh, dresses up and you get these other people, you should have dressed up as Mark Wright doing Elvis. and <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Well, we were t- talking of the, um, uh, of the COVID epidemic just now and, Needless to say, I have to say at this point, we're obviously absolutely delighted that Badlands have survived when you think about it. So many businesses suffered during the lockdowns. And um, 
you're back to having fun again at, with in-store events and promoting gigs nearby, like uh, Emily, Emily Duff and James Maddock, people that I've enjoyed, uh, yeah. thanks to you, and many others. Um, yeah. So last question, really, in, and in the spirit of, of the job interview, um, where would you do, where do you see yourself in, in five years' time? Is, is there, are there any plans for the future of Badlands? Well, just to keep going, um, you know, just m more of the same, I guess. I've got to that stage in life where I'm quite comfortable in, in doing doing what I'm doing. You know, I reached 60 this year, so um, I'm not – I haven't got any aspirations to open a chain of record stores anymore. But, you know, I, I love I, – it's just – it's a, it's just ace being involved in music. I mean, it's my hobby. Doing, doing what you enjoy. Yeah, it brings people happiness, right? So it's, there's nothing like it. It's great. So just just more of the same. I'd like to put a few more gigs on, Dan. I love that. We we've got a very nice local venue, Smoky Joe's, which is pretty mm. unique. Yeah, it works well. In fact, yeah. we've got very happy. We've got Light of Day UK show next month. Mm. So. In about three weeks, we got the Light of Day UK show at Smokey Joe's, so that's nice. Yeah, and a couple of new additions. I'm going to the Leicester one, by the way, Phil. But um, oh right, nice. Williams, yeah. Williams Honor are playing, which has has come heavily recommended as well. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they played at the Bruce Symposium the other week. I think. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm going to go along to that, and I think there'll be a few familiar faces around at Cheltenham and Leicester and. Uh, there's not in London, is there, Dan? There's no. I know they not did. The, I not this time. There's no, no London show this time. Um, so just before we, uh, the next thing we're going to do is the E Street Shuffle, which I know you know how it works. Um, which we we won't say why you know it, how you know it works. Um, <laughs> but just before we do that, Phil, um, how can people get in touch with the shop? How can they subscribe to the Ties at Bind? Um, uh, tell us about that first. I've got, I've got another question for you as well. But... Find us, you can find us at, on, on, on the website, um, www.badlands.co.uk, and there's yeah. um Bruce Springsteen page on there. I mean, um, and, a, and then there's a Ties That Bind page on there. And if, if, you, if you want to join at the the um, outrageous sum of just over a pound. Of... £15 for a year? Is that right? £15 a year, yeah. £25. We, yeah. Haven't put it up, we haven't put it up for about 10 years so uh yeah yeah going there and what people get for the 15 pounds um well they'll get uh regular news we don't do rumors we do newsletters so i'd yeah. like more actually um but you get so busy there's either no news there's either nothing happening or too much happening so yeah. uh, you, you get newsletters regular newsletters set lists from all the shows and uh, we try and do special offers for Ties at Buy members and events for Ties at Buy members as well. So it's like and the occasional pre-sale on tickets as well. Yeah, we get we've been official ticket outlets now for every tour since 1992. So um, Ties at Buy members get um, first first option of those tickets, even though now they're done slightly differently. It's done with a link through Ticketmaster, but at least we get it because. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the uh, ticket industry over the last few years, as, as uh, mm -hmm. YouTube and probably everyone listening knows. Um, and yeah, the ticket yeah. on through the roof and uh, dynamic pricing and all that. So a lot of fan clubs throughout Europe haven't been able to get their their allocations anymore. But we're, we're you know touch wood. We 
we've we've managed to do it this last couple of tours, so that's great. I believe the other day you had a, a delivery from the postman and it nearly broke the floorboards. Uh, I think the new Lynn Goldsmith uh, book arrived, didn't it? Jeez, yeah, it certainly it certainly did. They arrived on a pallet. As yours, as yours in fact, yeah, they arrived um, arrived earlier this week and we sent them out. It's a it's an amazing thing, right? If has yours arrived, Dan? Have you got it? Yeah, it's just arrived today. I think uh, Phil, thanks to you, and I, I, it's extraordinarily well packaged to start with. I think it's, a, it's a bit like about four boxes, one within the other. You know, like an Egyptian sarcophagus. It's amazing. <laughs> they, what they're doing that that company tash i didn't i must admit i didn't know much about them um before this book but they've been amazing to deal with they're uh they they specialize in this kind of thing but it, i what a i mean what a size it is it's it's eight kilos right it's enormous yes what's coffee take to keep one on well i've got to say i think it'll break a top coffee table wouldn't it it's, yeah uh, a monster, that's for sure. So you're stocking them, and people can inquire through the website. And uh... Uh, yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I, I I made the fatal mistake of bringing one home to look at, and, and it's a sort. It's very expensive. It's um, it's a six hundred pound book. But it, once you've got it, you think, oh, I I, don't, I, I, want, I want one of these. I mean, Dan's bought one. What you know? Yeah. I couldn't resist I it. Yes, it's yeah. amazing. Thank you. And as we said before, I think I've looked at it twice in five years, but I want to keep it as a, like a, it is, it's not an investment per se, but it's a very special item and you don't want to be thumbing through it every single day with greasy finger marks, do you? But uh, uh, certainly that book I've seen of Lens looks absolutely amazing. So if I can remortgage the house, I might, uh, I might invest myself. Well, Badlands and have a look. We've actually got a display copy. So, um, which I might yeah. put up. <laughs> no, yeah. I will. Will do. <laughs> right, Phil. Let's play the E Street Shuffle. Are you ready? I am indeed. Right. Let's play the E Street Shuffle. Random generator. There we go. High tech. What was the first concert you went to? Uh, XTC at Cheltenham Town Hall. Right. Okay. What year was that? Seventy-eight. Uh, uh, early. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. Favourite decade musically? Oh, my God. Um, well, it's got to be the 70s. Yeah. Followed by the 60s. But, yeah, the 70s, because that was the year I grew up. And, and it was a, you know, I nearly did this year. It's 45 years ago since 1978. And I was going to do 45 classic 45s from 45 oh, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, easy. You know, yeah. find 45 great records from that year. What a brilliant era. Um, yeah, it was. I was 15 in 1978. And, and, and at the time, I thought, God, I'd love to have grown up in the 60s. But I think we got the second, you know, I think we got the second greatest era. <laughs> You're right. I think the 60s was so exciting, wasn't it? Because the scene seemed to change nearly every single year. But I think the 70s growing up, for me, you know, I'm, I think, two or three years older than you. And, you know, Dan's very similar. But I think, you know, growing up in the 70s, that's when we started to form our initial music taste. And I, I've said this before, you know, I, T-Rex was the first band I really locked on to. Um, and then that kind of morphed into a bit of glam rock. I like the Sweet for some reason. Do you remember them? Oh, yes. Sweet, I could, Fox on the 
still incredibly popular on record stores there. You know, record stores. Mm-hmm. Where's the sweet yeah. room? Always people queuing up outside to buy the sweet albums. It's yeah. But you know, I think they're still going. You know, they're still touring. I think there's only one of them. Uh, yeah. The original members, but they're still touring and making a living as well, which is good on. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, next question. Um, if you could be an E Street band member for one night, who would it be? Who would you replace if you could stand in for somebody? Assuming you could play all the instruments, of course. Assuming I could play all the instruments, who would I want to be? Uh, <laughs> Bruce, I've got to be a band member. Yeah, think, not Bruce. Too obvious. I think I'd be. I think I'd be Stephen. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Those outfits, for one thing, and you know. <laughs> yeah, we like the same music. We like the same clothes. Well, we used yeah. to anyway. <laughs> That's funny that. Well, da- Dan's answer was Jake. He'd, he'd love to be Jake, and I'd like to be Max because I've always got aspirations to play drums and, and obviously Dan. Be just exhausting to. Can you? I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That um, got two more for you. Go on. Okay. And I know you have no ambitions of opening up another branch of Badlands, but let's go back 10 years ago. And I said to you, you can open up another branch of Badlands anywhere in the world. Where would it be? Badlands Asbury Park sounds good, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Or, yeah, or, like... or somewhere in Italy. My um, my dear girlfriend, Cinzia, lives in, is from Italy. So a, a record show, Badlands in Italy would be great as well. Yeah, a little pop-up outside the San Siro, something like that. Yeah, there's plenty of pop-ups outside the San Siro, they'll be. <laughs> okay, last one, Phil. Um, Nebraska or born in the USA? Born in the USA, definitely. Nice. I think it's yeah. great, great album, much underrated and maligned by people. Uh, it's just a phenomenal record. Yeah, yeah, as indeed uh, most of them are. Nebraska's a great record as well, but you know, I've, I must say, I don't listen to Nebraska that lot. I, I, I've, li- I've listened to Born in the USA, Born in the USA a lot in relatively recent years because my kids got into it. You know, uh, when they oh, were yeah. uh, Robert and Molly, and it's just full of great songs. You know, yeah, rediscovered. Ooh. One of the underrated albums, I reckon. What about the thing? Is- the thing is with those two albums, anyway, they, they kind of morph. You know, as as we know, um, Bruce was yeah. effectively written for Born in the USA. Phil, this has been amazing. Thank you very much. And you know, you've had no warning whatsoever of what's gone on before you in the cafe. Uh, I now have a sleeping dog next to me. Um, the floor is spotlessly clean after the mess of the wasabi and the guacamole. Um, the staff have actually gone home now. They've left some biscuits for us, which we might just finish off off there. Um, but um, for those of you who want to get in touch with Phil at Badlands, uh, just look at badlands.co.uk. Um, you're on social media, Phil, as well. Can we get hold of you there? Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all that. Well, it's not called Twitter. X. We're X. on all social media. Yeah. yeah. X, formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Prince, in it? Formerly known as Squiggle or Squiggle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's been an absolute joy, and we wish you all the best with the business in 2024. It's sound like it's going to be a lot of fun as the tour extends another year. Yeah, um, yeah, keeping us very busy, isn't he? Good, and you'll be having tours presumably in twenty twenty four to. Uh, yeah, yeah, promote. yeah. 
forward to some trips, mainly to familiar places, but uh, we're going to Marseille. I'm looking forward to Marseille. Oh, okay. yeah. But I have been, but I've never seen Bruce. South of France, yeah. right? I think Montpellier. I, I remember on the Wrecking Ball tour, he played an 8,500. Uh, really? Arena, yeah, most unusual. Wow. And what, what I loved about that, not only was um, a very small arena, but that night, and he hadn't done it all tour, he did the river straight into Point Blank. Oh, right. That was magical, absolutely magical, because he obviously took that decision to do that. And you saw him in Turku in Finland, didn't you, Dan? And he did something very similar. Another great little little venue, yes. There were two special nights, because he couldn't play Helsinki at that point. This was mm. um, 2013. So instead of one show in Helsinki, we got two in Turku, and an amazing little, tiny little arena. Great. Did you get wages of sin that night? We did. We got wages the world right. premiere, the, the only performance. What do you think is going to happen on the uh, tour when it resumes then, Dan? Are we going to get more, more varied set lists? Oh, that's that's the million-dollar question, isn't it, Phil? Um, I think everyone will be focusing on the uh, you know the first handful of shows next year to see if that's the case. But uh, there was kind of like a – it felt like there was a sort of hint of a loosening up happening uh, oh, just, oh. just as it was all – drawing to a close in, in New Jersey. So, yeah, who knows? Either the interval will um, give, give, give us the chance of some changes, um, or they might sort of go, just revert back to where they were before. Only time will tell. They were great. Right? I mean, people pe people who were criticising them were people who maybe who hadn't seen them. It was a very powerful concert. So, Yeah, I think so. I think what you might see, for my, my view, for what it's worth, is that the gigs that were rescheduled from 2023 and cancelled, they hadn't seen those shows as such in, in that format. So it might be that he kicks off in the States and Canada and just cancel show and said, right, we'll put the 2023 show into that forum. But when we go back to Europe, a lot of the fans would have seen that show. So do we mix it up a little bit more? And of course, there's a question, do we get a release between now and next summer? You know, whether it's a new studio album, whether it's tracks two or whether it's five album, lost albums, whatever it is, oh, um, there might be some new material between now and next summer. We'll see. We don't know. We just don't know. He's very tight lipped there, Dan, isn't he? As though he does know and he's not telling us. No, no, I'm a bit distracted by my cat here that is once. All right. <laughs> I don't let my dog see that cat. Big Bones Billy here wants his dinner. Oh, <laughs> dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dog is 13 years old now, and it's weak knees, more like weak knees, Willie, with the arthritis. <laughs> so, Phil, thanks very much for joining us again. Yeah. Um, Good fun. But, um, it's been great having you, and um, don't forget to get in touch with badlands.co.uk and check out especially the Lynn Goldsmith book. It's, uh, it's amazing, apparently. So, cheers for now, and keep listening. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to hit that follow button. This podcast was brought to you by Geezers in Glasses Productions.